Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Three Crosses podcast. My name is Buzz, and I'm one of the pastors here at Three Crosses Church. And this Advent season, I've been thinking a lot about the role that Christmas songs play in my experience of this holiday season. I love Christmas. When I was a kid, it was all about presents. My mom's primary love language is a gift giver. And Christmas morning in my household was like walking into the Walmart storeroom, right? Growing up in the Midwest, we shop at Walmart. I don't even think we have one out here. Uh, But they ship, they ship to your house. You know, they give you all the gifts that you want. And as a kid, it was all about that presence and receiving and so on. And then in high school, we used to do these candlelight services on Christmas Eve. And there was something about the beauty and the space and the music that helped me experience God in a fresh and a new way. I loved it. It is not going too far as to say that it changed my life. Midnight Christmas Eve at my traditional church growing up as a young kid in Kansas. And so I wanted to invite our worship pastor, uh, Brian Andes, to come out and share with us a little bit about the role that he feels like worship plays in our own journeys, both here at Christmas time and throughout our lives, throughout our weeks. Um, I asked him to share a little bit about what he does, but what I thought was really impactful about this podcast is his own personal testimony of experiencing the Lord through a worship song and how that truth that these songs communicate has really changed his life, produced that life transformation through following Christ that we talk about here each and every week. When Brian leads us in music on Sundays, I love it. I feel connected to the Lord. I feel connected to my church family. And it was a privilege to peek behind the scenes and under the hood and understand a little bit about what goes into that and how the Lord has changed him and how he might be able to change me and you as well. Let's jump in and hear what Brian has to say. Brian, I'm really grateful that you're able to spend some time with me today talking about your journey with the Lord and what it means to worship. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for for having me. I'm excited. Um, th- this may surprise you, Brian, but I don't sing that well. What's with that? Have you ever heard me sing? No, I haven't. Would you like to hear me sing right now? Yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Sorry to get your hopes up. <coughs> Um, but you serve here at Three Crosses as our worship pastor. Mm-hmm. And for, I think for a lot of people, they might think, well, that means that you're the guy that sings. Yeah. And so tell us, is that true? Or is there more to your role? Or what does it look like to spend a day in the life of a worship pastor at Three Crosses? Yeah, you know, okay, so it's funny. I think that that term or this, this I don't know, calling for my life has, uh, has been a part of something that's, uh, I don't know, been in my life since I was a little kid. So anyways, yes. That the term worship pastor for me, it always has this musical, like you're the guy who leads the music for for church. And while that's a very large part of, of what I consider um, like my responsibility, and and especially in in like a, a worship service, like Sunday morning worship services, um, it's not it's not all I do. And I just think recently, um, it's maybe even the last couple of years since I've been at Three Crosses, I just think the um, the overall term of, of worship pastor, uh, I mean, I think it encompasses way more than just music. And if, you've, if you're in the worship ministry or you're one of the worship leaders on the team or someone I'm trying to disciple, like I, I always say, and it doesn't make sense, I always say like music is probably 10% of my job. While that 10% is absolutely huge, it's not everything that I do. Um, Yes, you're saying it doesn't make any sense to say music is 10% of your job. I also love saying things that don't make sense. Yeah. So let's just keep that going. What is some of that other 90% then? 
like obviously that 10% you're saying it's huge because it's visible and it's every yeah. week and yeah. people probably know your face if they've attended our church. And so yeah. in that sense, you have a very visible role, yeah. whereas nobody's ever seen me. I hide in this recording studio <laughs> you know, and you only hear my voice, but people know who you are. But what's that other 90%? Like what's the value you feel like of worship through the week and not just on a Sunday? Uh, so I think the, the other part of that, I think it just goes in, alongside with the term. Uh, and what I feel like I lean more into is uh, pastor. I feel like worship or the musical portion of it is just uh, like, I don't know, the responsibility or ministry that I'm tasked to care for. But I think the pastor part is more of what the rest of that encompassing 90, 80% of it is. And, and you know, as pastors, we all kind of, I mean, shepherd our own flocks like you have your ministries that you oversee and and i'm overseeing the more uh my flock is in in a sense is like the the musical um community in our in our church and and more so than that i also just think it's also my responsibility to teach people that uh worship is more of a lifestyle than it is uh music and so far i'm still trying to figure out how how to do that i think it, even in my own sense like i'll approach a week and i'll still the the music is still the main focus um yeah i was like this is great now brian is saying more things that don't make sense yeah. he's telling me that <clears throat> worship is not really the music it's more of a lifestyle you know and this is yeah. uh, i don't want to call it a cliche because i think cliche has almost this ring of a thing that's not true in a sense, but it's like yeah. a, a statement you've heard before that yeah. worship is a lifestyle. It's more than just a song. It's more than music. And I feel like for whatever reason, nobody's been able to crystallize for me. Like what is it then? Like if worship isn't a song and it is a lifestyle, yeah. can you put the cookies on the bottom shelf for me and let me access? What does it mean to say that worship's a lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, I just, to be honest, so, uh, I just should, so I'll share this, um, this scripture and it's a scripture that I tend to use. Like if people, Ask like, what is our job as worship leaders? Um, and most of the times when I'm sharing this, it's, it's, it's trying to teach somebody like, what is our purpose in a worship service? But this will go beyond it. So the scripture that, I, that always just uh, comes to mind or that's just been with me f- since I started leading worship is uh, out of Psalm 100, one through five, it just says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enters his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And to me, I mean, it's ironic, because there is a scripture in verse 2 that says, come into his presence with singing. But to Mm -hmm. me, that's like, encompasses that 10% of what I think that the musical part of, musical part of the worship is. I think everything else listed in there, that is something that I feel like we should do or the Lord wants from us on, on, on any kind of given uh, day, any, any, uh, any basis. And, um, but I think that's really hard. I think it's really hard to, to say like, I'm gonna worship the Lord every single moment of every single day. You know, because people probably think like, how am I gonna be singing the entire day? Yeah. But Psalm 100 is telling us that there's things like thankfulness and joy and mm. gratitude and song and all of these attitudes that we reflect yeah. back to the Lord. You know, yeah. I think of sometimes in church, we sit in church for like an hour and like for 90% of that hour, I'm sitting there, right? Yeah. And I'm listening to a message or I'm viewing one of the videos and worship is a little bit different because it's one of the times that I get to reflect something 
kind of back to the Lord, yeah. that activity. Have yeah. you found that kind of to be true too in your own worship experience? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, to me, I think it's the it's the portion of the service where we really get to interact in that in that sort of worship. Um, like you said, most of the times we're we're, we're sitting. Um, we have um, some sort of pastor or teacher like taking us through, um, you know, biblical texts and, and, and teaching us these truths. But I think worship is is the one place where um, no matter where you're at in your faith or, um, I don't know, like the, everybody can participate in worshiping the Lord. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. I think that's cool when you say like everybody no matter where you're at in your faith journey, like everybody kind of understands music, right? And there's kind of this uh, emotive quality or this presence of emotion, another way to say it, or you feel like something's happening, like something's going on, even if you don't understand. I think that's pretty cool and a pretty unique space that worship occupies. Yeah, and I think, um, and I'm not just speaking for myself because I've I've seen it happen, um, I mean, on every single week, but it's also just this place where, um, like the teaching portion, I feel like is very educational, right? You're, you're sitting back and it's very much like a, almost like a classroom, right? Where you're, you're being taught something and then you're, you're taking it in and you're processing it and you're, you're, you know, applying it to your life. But the worship is the one place in a, in a service, any service where I feel like, uh, we get the opportunity to interact with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and I know how people interact with the Holy Spirit differently and if, being on the stage, it's really cool being able to to see like just as a worship leader i think it's really cool because i think like holy spirit is this weird ghost thing or this concept that you can't really see it's one of those things you kind of have to have you know like faith for as well but being a worship leader for so long you can i i I feel like in every service i can actually see how the holy spirit is moving like the ebbs and flows and and um even how the music is kind of not dictating where the holy spirit is going but kind Mm -hmm. of mirroring what the holy spirit's doing in the way people are worshiping or in the way that they're being moved in, in certain moments of songs or in the services. And, um, yeah. And so I just, I personally, I, I love that that's a part of a worship service and, and, and such a big part of it. And, uh, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, as a preacher myself, you know, yeah. I must now, we're going to put a little footnote here and say that the spirit's active in teaching, yeah. right. And yeah. that you're speaking about a sermon as an educational classroom experience. I think yeah. by and large, that's true. But I also think there's something, uh, about worship music that is educational and that the mm. fact that we're saying these truths together or speaking out words to songs that is formational in yeah. our sense, you know, in the same way that mm. I think a sermon can move you with emotion or you can feel the Lord like yeah. touching your heart through that yeah. message. I think there's also a formational quality to music as well. Yeah. Um, have there been any songs that you really feel like that information or that formational quality or that truth contained have been really important for you in your faith journey? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the song that we've, we've done recently, um, Reckless Love. Um, yeah. Who's the original artist of that one? Is that uh, Corey Asbury? Yeah, Corey Asbury. So I saw that Corey Asbury is feuding with my best friend, aspirationally my best friend, John Christ on Instagram. Oh, have you seen this? No, I you haven't. should check it out. It's yeah. amazing. Wow. little product placement there for yeah. John Christ. Okay. Not my personal friend, whatever. He's a Christian comedian. If you don't yeah. understand what's going on and Corey Asbury is a recording artist and he made the song reckless love. Right. Yeah. And so you're saying this is a great song for me. I yeah. love it. Yeah. What is it about the song that really speaks to you? Um, 
Well, so for, I don't know what they're, what they're battling about, but it's just jokes. Oh, just it's jokes. It's just okay. jokes. <laughs> I, I was wondering, so I, the reason I ask is only because when this first, when the song first came out, it was pretty controversial, right? Like the whole, like God's not reckless and, and all these. Cause things. reckless implies in a way, like something careening out of control, like yes. reckless driving, like don't yep. drive that way, yep. like drive in a way that controls your car. But the song is trying to give an emotion, not have got out of control, but like, no, in, it, what, in it, what sense? It, it's almost like, uh. The, the way Corey describes it is, um, so the song's kind of written around the parable of the sheep and uh, the whole concept of like uh, um, how the shepherd would leave a flock of 99 to pursue the, the one wandering mm-hmm. sheep and how that would be reckless. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you pursue one and leave a flock of 99 unprotected out in the wild, you know? Um, and I, I think, I mean, people get kind of, uh, I don't know, stuck on that one concept of being reckless, but hearing from Corey at first he, he describes it as I mean God's love for us is unexplainable and, and um, it's just trying to that the song is just trying to communicate that he loves us that much so much so mm-hmm. that it's beyond comprehension like it does not make sense you know and for me personally I mean to be honest when I first heard the song I wanted to stay away from it just because as a, as a worship leader too I just was reading all over and it's all controversial and I was like I don't even think I want to bring this into the church and We've got plenty of other songs about God's love. Um, but then I sat down and I listened to it. Um, and it was, I guess, I mean, I have to share a, just a tiny bit about my story. I mean, yeah, that go for it. Makes sense. That, but why it You're the guest. To me. You're in charge, right? <laughs> okay. <All laughs> this right. is the 90% that you do is tell me what to do. Let's well, lean into that. Um, and so um, kind of the with the theme of that song is is, the lost sheep and, and God kind of pursuing and going after the lost sheep. And so for me in my story, like super long story short, I grew up in the church um, when I was really young. I think I was like maybe six. Someone, random person gave my mom a prophecy and then said that, like asked her if she had a son and said, uh, you know, um, told her that God told him that to tell her that your son's going to be a pastor someday and you should start raising him in those ways and freak my mom out. Um, yeah, that's like a normal conversation yeah, to have yeah. with a random stranger. Yeah, and so uh, my mom, like, you know, she, she sat and I prayed about it, you know, seek counsel from the pastor uh, of our church at that time. And um, over the years, they just kind of saw my natural draw towards, um, you know, worship and all, and all of those, those things. And um, so my mom decides to tell me when I was 10. And so she told me when I was 10, and it didn't freak me out. In fact, I got really excited, and I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I just devoted my life from that point on to doing it. Um, fast forward till I graduated in high school, everything I did up to that point, I feel like no decision was really uh, made, really. It was just I had to do what everybody told me I had to do. I had to fulfill this prophecy, my destiny. And so after high school, I, I, um, I interned for my student ministries. At the time, it was a church in Danville. Um, and, and then eventually I came on staff full time as the student ministries worship director. And, uh, and I thought, I was like, I did it. I fulfilled my destiny. And, um, and uh, I had this plan to go away to college. Uh, I ended up getting a scholarship in music and I was gonna study um, uh, you know, ministry and, and, and go to seminary and all that stuff. Cause my, yeah. my calling was to be a worship pastor. So I was like. Right, and that's what we do. You go to yeah. school, you train. And that's what you do. Tick the boxes, yeah. Yep. And uh, but when I was like 19 and I was about to leave, um, my youth pastor 
um, he pretty much now I just got to call it he manipulated me in a way maybe he didn't mean to intentionally but was like hey if this is your calling why go away to school and waste time and money when I could just give you the job now I was like wow you're totally right yeah and so so sure. I did it and uh, yeah people think about that a lot the education really the goal of it is to get a job someday like yeah. it's seen as like job training or yeah. credentialing or resume boosting yeah and so why not cut out resume boosting yeah and get the job. Yeah, I'll just do it now and I'll work my way up. And I had a great relationship with the senior worship pastor who was also discipling me as well. And, you know, and I just felt like, okay, great. I'm just going to spend the rest of my ministry career at this church and work my way up to worship pastor someday. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was young. Um, the level of, uh, what can I what do you call it, the production that the pastor that I was under, at the time he was the national youth director for uh, all of the Foursquare denomination. Um, and so he traveled and spoke a lot and, and he would take me sometimes and I would lead worship for him. And, um, but the level of production that, that he started to have me, um, I guess move into was just so, so far beyond what I'd done as a high school kid. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't organized. I didn't know how to, and I wasn't even that good of a musician. For those of us that don't like produce worship services on a regular basis. What is you mean when you're saying like level of production? Like what does that entail? Like what I, kind of stuff goes into production? I mean, I, I, I went from leading worship with like my sister and my four best friends and it would, we'd switch instruments. It wouldn't be like, it would, it would sound okay, you know? And, and ultimately it was just like, we were playing for our youth group and, and, and most of it was us really just trying to, to worship the Lord together. And that's what I, we kind of leaned into. And the music wasn't really all there. And then I started going to, uh, when I call higher production services, it was like, you know, I had I had 20 minutes to lead worship. There was no more, no less. Uh, we started playing to things like click tracks. And that to me was weird. It was just click tracks or something to keep us all together. And the, the reason why that came into play is I started going into uh, – like having to play worship behind some like video parts of the services and and if I couldn't play in time like that the whole service would be shot and I, I'm saying this as I'm remembering like the exact Sunday that I dropped the ball and all of this came tumbling down of like I, you know I no one ever taught me how to do this like I never knew I, I was going to school to learn how to do all of these things uh, you know I had to learn how to organize and work with not just the band I had to organize you know, and try to figure out how to coordinate with teaching pastors and production leaders and all these things. I didn't know how to do any of those yeah. things. And, um, and so anyways, uh, that part of the story led to just this place where I was held accountable for a lot of these things and um, was reprimanded in, in what I would consider not uh, appropriate ways for what I would say church to handle, even a, a young person. And so... Um, I don't know. I, I once I just started getting a lot of those and, and off, getting into ministry too. Um, that young was was weird for me too because I just started seeing a lot of the inside politics of the church. That um, while not all are are bad at all, um, in fact, some are, are great for the church. It just for me, like I just it was so different, and and maybe I was just way too young to know how to process it. So, anyways, it just kind of led me to this place where I was twenty, and I got to this place where I was like, wow, like. At this point in my life, I had never been able to make a single decision for myself. I just re realized that, like, wow, ever since my mom told me. At, at, at that point, too, I even had a uh, a moment where I was like, man, is my relationship with the Lord even real? 
Yeah. Like I've never even asked the Lord if this is what he wants for me. And, and then I, I had this reality shock that like, oh my gosh, like I don't even know if I can call myself like a Christ follower. I don't even know if I have my own personal relationship with the Lord. And then if this is my calling and if ministry is it, I don't want anything to do with it. If this mm-hmm. is how they treat me or people. And, and then I kind of went off the deep end. And so in this portion of my life, um, this is kind of where the, the this song, Reckless Love, is kind of coming into play. I went into like six or seven-ish years of my life where honestly I just, when you grow up in church, I feel like there's a lot of like, hey, this is what you should do as a good Christian kid and this is everything you should not do. Yeah. I just went towards the opposite and I, I you know, I just pursued everything that I, I was told not to and, and, and um, I don't know. And, and, and eventually... You know, I, I started working for um, for Apple and I tried to put myself back to school and, and that was really difficult. But um, in that work culture too, like partying and clubbing and, and all those things became um, everything, you know, and that was that was my environment. And that was also something that I was told as a good Christian kid not to do. So I dove in. Um, but throughout that, that whole time, you know, my parents raised me right. Like the conviction uh, never really left. You know, every, everything that I, I felt like I was doing on purpose wrong or walking away from the Lord is like the Lord, the Holy Spirit was still prompting me like, don't go this way. This is not what I have for you. Yeah. And then I dove deeper into uh, drugs and, and anything that it wasn't for necessarily the high. It was whatever I could do to shut up this conviction. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, but I couldn't get away from it. And eventually I got to this place where... Um, you know, it all caught up to me and, and the reality like sat in like, man, like I was really trying hard to run away from, from my calling and, and the Lord. And when I felt like I was the furthest away, like it, I was left in like a really dark, lonely place. And, and then at that point, immediately all of the guilt and the shame and then just the lies from the enemy kind of weighed on me, yeah. you know, and I wanted to go back to church. Uh, but I felt like I tried for, for, I think for a little bit and I just, it was weird. And it probably wasn't the reality, but I thought... How do you, like, you know, how do you go back to church? You've been on the stage your whole life. You're singing. Everybody yeah. knows who you are. Yeah. And then they also know how you've been in the last few years. Yeah. And then, like, how do you show back up and, like... It, it, it's weird. And, and you know, it wasn't the reality, but I felt like everybody was, like, oh, there's, you know, there's Brian. And like, oh, did you hear what he'd been doing? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, like, there's that worrying about the perception of yeah. how people are going to receive you. Yeah. And I think, to be fair, like, churches could be often very better at loving and forgiving. And then I also think that it's true that um, like the Lord and his church is more loving and actually forgiving in a good space. And that people that are worrying about taking a step back into church, maybe should give it a shot. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to be honest, like it just got to that place where after that point and and there were, everyone at the church was great. I, I ended up going like getting to that place where honestly I felt like it was, like the attack of the enemy, like the lies started pouring in. Like I was so far gone. I had done so much worse. And, and the fact that I did it on purpose, like, you know, I, um, I shared this the other week when, when we, when we sang reckless love, but there, there was this thing in me that I felt like, well, I ran a million miles away from the Lord on purpose. Yeah. And now I felt like in order to get back, it was like 2 million miles like mm-hmm. up Mount Everest just to get back into hopefully his grace 
and, mm-hmm. and then there's still a lifetime that I'd have to, you know, earn my way back. Mm-hmm. And know? it's up to you, right? And yes. you made the mistake. You got yourself in this yes. mess. You got to yeah. get yourself out of this mess. That yeah. kind of a deal. Yeah. And, and, and every, the whole church, everybody's going to see me and try to hold me accountable to it. And then, you know, so then for probably another year or so, maybe two more years, I fell deeper into those other things because I just thought like, that's, that's just impossible. There's no way. Yeah. And maybe I'm the, I'm the exception to the rule that I was so far, uh, you know, gone that the, that the Lord wouldn't want me anymore. And I know that wasn't true. Like I grew up in the church. I knew that wasn't true, but I just couldn't get away yeah. from that. But it probably and, felt true. Oh, right? absolutely. Like I, I don't think I'd ever felt more lonely, but on the surface, like I was working for Apple. I had a great job. I, I was making great money. I had friends. I was still playing music outside of church. This was just everything inside yeah. me that none of that meant anything. I know. I think what's so insidious sometimes about those lies that we even believe for ourselves is that they're like enough true. Like, and so this yeah. idea that you're like, it's up to me to earn my way back to God, like isn't true. Yeah. The part of it that is true though, is that like, you can't earn your way back to God. Mm-mm. Don't yeah. even try. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of the first step of the gospel. Like yeah. you can't earn your way back. Mm-hmm. You can't try. Yeah. Christ does it for you. Yeah. He meets you there. Yeah. And it's funny because there was this part of me that's like, okay, well, I just need to accept that. Right. The truth is I'm a filthy, dirty sinner and I'm always going to be it and, <laughs> and all these things. But then I, I, I think I just, I just leaned into that too much and, uh, you know, and just, yeah. Like if I'm a sinner, let's go whole hog, like just be the best sinner that I can be. Yeah. Or, or yeah. And it just got hard to really try to, the, the whole fact of God's grace or God's love, you know, for us that regardless of, of, of all of that. And, um, and so like wrap, you know, wrapping it back into this song, into this, like, and reckless love and the, the lost sheep, everything, um, in, in that part of the story. So I was, I was the, the one and, um, you know, who wandered away. And, uh, and so the part of the story where, you know, God recklessly would pursue me or the, the whole concept, this song started resonating with me because it wasn't the fact that God's love, the fact that God would pursue. Yeah started really ringing true to me and it started really re- reminding me of what happened and when i used to tell the story when i came back to my faith because eventually I, I came back to my faith um i used to say all i had to do was turn around i was two miles away two million miles away all i had to do was turn around and the lord met me there but that wasn't true like in looking back like the lord was pursuing me every step as i was walking away and he yeah. was there loving me and um and there's just a part in the parable too where it never. I never thought about it until after I started singing "Reckless Love." I was like, "Oh, I should probably read up about this song." The part where he didn't just find the sh- the sheep. Um, in fact, I found out that shepherds, when they have wandering sheep, they'll find the sheep. They'll actually break the leg of the sheep, and you know, to teach the the, the sheep never to wander again. And so I thought that was that's what it was going to be like again. You yeah, know, you've like, seen some of those pictures in the church where I grew up of a sheep kind of draped on the shoulders yes. of a Jesus yep. figure or a shepherd figure yep. and they would break the leg and then carry it yeah. and kind of instill in that sheep that closeness and trust and reliance on the shepherd. That's yeah. why they break the leg. So it's not just a punishment, but it's a way of immobilizing the sheep and teaching the sheep. You can't do it on your own. Yes. Yeah. Lead where I, or follow where I lead. Yeah. And yeah. So, and, and so all of that was like, and even to me, it was even more beautiful. Like I felt like, Maybe there wasn't even for me a, like a breaking of the leg kind of thing. I, maybe it's just, that's for me the breaking of the leg. I'm just leaning into like the punishment that I felt like I deserved, you know? <laughs> like I felt like it was like, don't do that again. I'm going to break your leg. But the part of the scripture where it says he joyfully put, puts the sheep on his shoulders, 
brings him back and then celebrates with all his friends and yeah. everyone in the valley that like my sheep has returned so to me like that's what that song totally represented for me and and like the fact that god loved me so much or loves us so much that he pursues us um even when we don't deserve it and like we were talking about like there's no way we could ever earn it like yeah. that for i i'd known that truth forever but i think up until i had i'd experienced it myself um, even even coming out of it, up until that song came out, and we, I started leading it. Like I, the the, I don't know, the act of of God pursuing us, that reckless love, that love that's yeah. incomprehensible, was just uh, was something that moved me so much. So that um, yeah. yeah, I love how worship can bridge that gap between knowledge that we hold in our minds in that cognitive sphere. Yeah, like I know for a fact God loves me. Yeah, I've seen that written down in a book. Yeah but God's kind of holding that truth way across some ditch somewhere and maybe I can find him and then he'll love me. Yeah. In theory versus this truth that you're talking about that you get to experience and reflect and receive yeah. that love. Like worship is a very special place where those kind of things. Yeah. And again, happen. I mean, that song we, we said earlier, like, I mean, I feel like in worship, like God, the Holy spirit, and you know, will meet us wherever we're at in, in wherever we're at in life, whether we're, you know, following him or not. And no matter where we're at in our spiritual journey, I thought that was, uh, you know, there's no, I, it's not like I had to become like a level 50, I don't know, on my spiritual scale to be able to, you know, finally be in his grace. Like it just, the Lord met me wherever I was at. And yeah, yeah. I think that's cool. If there's somebody listening to this and thinking, man, I've ran from God, I've ran from church, I've done everything. Yeah. Brian's talking about maybe even a couple more things. And I know it's true for them too, that if they want to receive his grace, yeah, he's right there. That's yeah. amazing about the God that we serve. Yeah. You know? And I think being able to do that from in a worship setting, from a platform, um, not, not necessarily the importance being the platform, but I, I, it was great to be able to share that and then to hear people um, talking about how the Lord touched them in those moments. I mean, I look back at myself when I was trying to get back into the church, you know, and maybe if, if, if the worship pastor at that time played a song or shared a place where it was like, okay for me to be a mess or okay for me to be i don't know anywhere um it would maybe maybe it would have been different and 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 knowing and it was super scary to share that on the stage to be that vulnerable yeah you know to be like oh man here's your worship pastor sharing about how he's a scumbag <laughs> and uh but i mean it was great like i just just it, you know the lord used that and used that story in my life to to touch people and and to um use those moments and those songs to really um, uh, allow a space for people to let the Lord in, you know, and, and, and it's cool. And it, it's, uh, it's also very different. You know, you, I think you think worship is something that, I don't know, you have to come before the Lord in this perfect, uh, I don't know. Like get yourself right. Yes. And, and then, then come worship. to the Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like if I was going to go visit the King, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, just show up however I was. I would take yeah. a bath and buy in my best suit, and yeah. you know, and God's not like that. Yeah. I think it's cool that he meets us in our mess. Yeah. You know, think about this idea of worship and singing and that experience of the presence of the Lord and him meeting us wherever we are. You know, I can't help but think here at the Advent season as we anticipate Christmas time, like a lot of that's happening. And I see like baby Jesus born in a manger, like yeah. a dirty, stinky place. Yeah like with humanity, such as we were, the Romans yeah. tells us that while we were still sinners, like that's when Christ died for us. Like yeah. when he came, like we hadn't been fixed yet. Yeah. And what's wild to me about Christmas music is 
maybe like twofold. Like number one is like sometimes we have these Christmas songs and we've sang them so many years and they become so repetitive that they almost like lose their power. Like it just kind of becomes like a nothing. And then by the same token, like this is the only time that you hear Christian music like in a mall and at a restaurant that's not Chick-fil-A and like whatever. And like on all the radio stations, Hmm. like Christmas music is everywhere. And like, this is an opportunity in a sense to preach the truth about Christ in music and song because people, people love that. So what is it to you, like from the worship pastors kind of a chair that you think is important to know about Christmas music or how do you think about that in terms of our worship experience? Yeah. Is there anything you love about the season? Is there anything we misunderstand about the season? Well, I, I mean, I got to be honest, uh, Chris, like you're mentioning, I think, uh, I fall into that, um, uh, category of, oh, here's Christmas time. So I got to pick Christmas carols or Christmas songs mm-hmm. in a sense. And Old worn out songs yeah, and that kind you know, of deal. But yeah. try to true, like, oh, everyone's going to love it. Everybody's going to sing along and it's going to be great. And, um, you know, and, and more times than not, I'm just like, I'm just trying to pick Christmas songs, you know? And, um, but in reality, like you, like you were saying, like all of these Christmas songs are worship songs. Like they're all singing praise and glory to the King. You know, like that the king has come down to earth. God so loved the world that he saved his son for us. And they, they, I mean, this is all over every single Christmas song that you said now is playing for the one time of the year all over the world, you know. Yeah. Um, and I forget that all the time. And, um, you know, but in, in reality, like, and I, I always kind of fall into this thing as I'm planning. You know, I, I, I used to have this thing. I was like, okay, like. It's December. I should start introducing Christmas songs, and then as the weeks go on, it's like all Christmas songs, you know. And and then I'll, I'll I'll sprinkle in worship songs here and there, and I'm like, no, like, like just we were sitting in planning meetings, and you know, we had to remind ourselves, like, no, like our worship service is still our worship service. I'm going back to the beginning part of our conversation, like, if the worship part of the service is the place where our people can uh, interact, you know, with this with the Holy yeah. Spirit, and and um, also use those those. Uh, that time to worship the Lord, like very much like in that, what Psalm 100 said. I mean, the Christmas music is doing exactly the same thing. If anything, it's just focusing us on like the moment and, 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 and the reason, right, of that year, right? And it's, it's yeah. celebrating the, the fact that, you know, God came down in the form of a baby, you know, and eventually, is, you know, not eventually, but he was our savior. Um, and then we sing a lot more about, and we learn a lot about how his promise of coming again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's easy for me to think of God as transcendent and far away and big, like that makes sense to me. And even when you're talking about as you're far from God, that's an easy way to think about God as big and holy and very different and very separate. I think that's an important truth. And to me, the miracle of Christmas is that God is so close by that he is even a person just like me. Like that's very hard for me to accept. I get very uncomfortable with this kind of an idea. Like I like creator God, like Emmanuel, God with us. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So I love Christmas songs that help challenge me to accept that that truth that Christ was yeah. God and walked among us and yeah. loves us is true. Yeah. Is there a, a particular Christmas song that you love that just is your favorite in terms of speaking that truth to you? Um, you know, uh, it's, it's not a traditional um, Christmas song. And again, it's probably just, uh, you know, catching me in the moment so last year we played a song it was by hill songs it's called seasons mm-hmm. um 
and it's a it's a honestly it's a beautiful song you guys should check it out it's off uh hillsong's uh christmas record but yeah, i was just about to sing it for you and then i remembered uh, we don't have the licenses to do music on oh, this podcast dang, yeah that's the only thing Dang. stopping me from singing it for you. We'll sing it after we hit stop. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> You'll sing it. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lyric in it that, I mean, this is just a theme of my life. And, and it's just really cool to have, see how the Lord, you know, found me in my story. But it goes along with my story. There's a lyric that says, uh, you're the God of seasons and I'm just in the winter. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. this, he's painting this picture of, you know, the spring will come, you know, and the, who knows how yeah. long the winters. And the winter has this, you know, uh, theme of being like a times of darkness and all these things yeah. and you know but there, there there is a promise to come you know and um so that song to me has been amazing and and i like it too because i feel like it's uh it's not just a seasonal song it's just a song that but then again it's weird right like we should be able to sing all these christmas songs all year round because they're all technically worship songs yeah you know and but yeah yeah, yeah. i appreciate you telling us the truth about your favorite christmas song but you're wrong. The best song is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. <laughs> and then uh, the worst song, there's a lot of worst songs. Um, Little Drummer Boy, I think. Yeah. Not so good. Probably I'm just really annoyed at my four-year-old who drums <laughs> on everything and sings it at the top of his lungs. He's very, he's very loud. Not to name any names, but my four-year-old, yeah. we're coming for you. Yeah. My, uh, my two-year-old's worst song for ours in our house is Go Tell on the Mountain. That's all we hear. And then it somehow morphs into Go Go Power Rangers. It's like a, I mean, whatever, a whatever floats your boat. Yeah, I don't. know. I feel bad though. Like Gabe is so loud, and like I'm like, just stop it, just be quiet. And then I think mm. like the Psalm 100 mindset of like make a joyful noise and be happy. Like why yeah. am I like mad at my kid for being mm. happy yeah. and singing? And it's like, yeah, go for it, man. Hit those pants. Yeah. Show me what it means <laughs> to be a joyful little kid. And like instead of a stressed out dad who's worrying about travel and moving and buying presents and whatever yeah. like maybe that's a little maybe i should learn from him yeah don't tell him i said that he'll get a big head but <laughs> yeah you know, i i along you know with that thought um i've just been thinking about this season of uh you know um this you know if worship is a lifestyle and if, if we only play Christmas during Christmas time, you know, Christmas songs are Christmas time, but Christmas songs are worship songs and, and all these things. Like it's, it really is a little bit convicting because I even have to check myself and like, am I kind of displaying a life that's, you know, in Psalm 100 all the time, you know? And a lot of times it's like, some people might be thinking, and I, I even fall into this as like, oh, Sunday morning is the time where I'm worshiping. Like that's the time where I bring it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, or I'm looking, really looking forward to that time to worship and, and interact with the Holy Spirit. And I mean, in reality, we can do that anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Um, as we close here today, Brian, like, yeah. you know, think about that mindset of trying to be more worshipful all the time. And like, there's one way to view that that's like, I'll never get there. I'm always falling short. And like, mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully people aren't catching that as the sense of it. Like we're trying more to say, I think, like, um, do your best to find the joy in life as you follow the Lord. Like yeah. if you could give maybe one small practical tip to somebody that's saying like, I'd like to express more worship. I'd like to be more thankful. I'd like to be more joyful in my daily life, not just yeah. in Sundays when I'm singing church songs. Like, what would you suggest somebody do to unleash that in their life? Well, honestly, like, uh, somebody once told me that um, trying to be obedient to the Lord is is a task that is so hard that you need the Lord's help to do just that. Yeah. And so, for me, I have to remind myself, and I try to remind myself every morning, like, you know, when I wake up, um, give my first thought to the Lord, like wake up and like, Lord, like 
help me find every like whatever moment where I can uh, be thankful. Uh, help me find the moments where uh, I see small glimpses of you, uh, and you remind me that you know you love me, you care about me, and 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 help me be grateful for you know what you've given me, and just another day to even be alive. And if you can try to do that on a regular basis, so it's almost like just waking up and asking the Lord to to for Him to help us live a consistent um, lifestyle of worship on a regular basis. I mean, yeah, I guess if God is pursuing us and beside us as you've described Him, yeah, I think it is true. Why not invite him into the process? He's already there. Yeah. yeah. Let's open our eyes a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if Jesus was the only perfect human being to ever live, you know, it, it, it's almost one of those things that's a little sometimes daunting. Like if I say, hey, every morning, just just make sure you commit your life to the Lord and you, you're, you're, you're life, you're a walking uh, worshiper of the Lord. Like that's hard. You might be able to do that for a few days or a certain amount of seasons, but at, at any given point, like we need the Lord to give us the strength to do anything and yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Brian, thanks so much for coming on and sharing about your journey, your life, like how the Lord has found you and redeemed you. It's a privilege to serve alongside you here yeah. at Three Crosses. Thanks for leading us in worship each and every Sunday. Look forward to this Sunday where we get to once more come and worship the King. Right. So thanks thank for you. being here. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so grateful that you joined us here this week to hear um, Brian's story and the testimony and the, the power that Christ has to find us at our most far away. Here at Christmas, a lot of times we can feel alone or lost or thinking about coming back to church or exploring what it might mean to give your life to Christ and be afraid and not know how to take that first step. And I would encourage you, just like Brian encouraged us, that Christ is with you and he is there and open your heart and your life to him. Take a step back and see if he might meet you. He will. He will. We'd love to have you join us here at Three Crosses Church during the Christmas season for one of our Sunday services or for our Christmas musical outreach or really any time. If you're a part of our church family and you want to connect a little bit more with Brian, maybe to explore about what it means to be on our worship team and part of that worship discipleship that he was speaking about, um, reach out. Brian would love to hear from you. And the best way is through email, brian at threecrosses.org. You can connect with us here at the podcast at podcast at threecrosses.org. But whatever you do, whatever way you seek to connect, don't be alone. Step into community, step into worship, and step into life with Christ. That's my encouragement to you today, this Christmas season. 